We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning, Tabernacle of Talk. Y'all are the talkingest bunch of people I've ever met, and that's good. I'm not, I'm not complaining. If I could just get y'all to do that when we have open discussion. <laughs> She's minding. She... How is everybody doing today? Fall is here. Well, in Texas, it's here today. Now, tomorrow, it's back to summer, but you know, who knows? Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you've been listening or uh, paying attention, however you want to say it, probably in the, the last six to eight months, God has really been prompting us as a church. God has really been prompting us. Have you ever had that deal where you wanted someone to do something, but you just didn't want to tell them outright? You wanted it to be their you know, want to, their desire. And so you'd say little things to them every so often. This is what wives do to husbands. See, that's what... I'm 63, and I figured it out this year. <laughs> what? No more, no, 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 no more subtle. <laughs> well, if y'all know Janet, there's no subtle. There's <laughs> that's just that's that's great. But you know, we we will prompt people sometime by just leaving little hints and this, this and that. And God's been doing that in our church, prompting us. He's been, he's been speaking different things to us from different people. The beauty of how God works is he doesn't work through one person. Can I tell you something? Just everybody hear this. If, if, if God's working through one person, you need to get out of there. I'm dead serious. You need to get out of there. God doesn't work through just one person. God works through his church. Now, will God put people in places? Yes, absolutely. There's a reason there's a pastor. But... God works through us one to another. And so God's been prompting. You know, it's, it's amazing. I've talked to different ones of you about and having different conversations. And they all, in the different conversations and the different things about the conversations, they all come back and they gel back to one thing, and that's unity, the unity of the church. It's amazing what God's doing here because uh, when you look in Scripture, when God unified a people, let me just challenge you to do something. Look in the Bible when God had a people that were unified, what there was a people that were not God's people that were unified. And God looked down and said, these people can do anything their imagination can come up with because they're unified. And he's unifying us. You know what that's telling me? God is going to do something in our unified state. He's got something very powerful in Kennedale and Fort Worth and Waxahachie and Midlothian and North Fort Worth and South. He's something big's happened. South. He's just something's about to break loose here. It's not that it's going to happen. It's already happening. It's just about to break loose. So, uh, I want to talk to you about now. This is going to seem kind of strange, but let's talk about it. A crumbling foundation. A crumbling foundation. Second Timothy chapter four. Let's read verses two through five. Preach the word. Preach the word. We know who he's talking to here, right? The pastor. He is talking to the pastor. Yes, he is. That's the correct answer. Who else is he talking to? He's talking to the church here. Now, he's talking. Paul is talking to Timothy, a young minister here. But understand something. There's an exhortation here to us as Christians. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they w will not endure sound doctrine. And after their own lust shall, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things. And this is, a, this is a critical scripture. A lot of Christians are waiting for God to turn the light on for them. They're waiting for God to spell out the deal for them. 
But what he's saying here is he's saying, he speak, but watch thou in all things. We have a responsibility in this time when people aren't going to endure sound doctrine. We have a responsibility. We're to watch in all Endure afflictions. He didn't say, listen, eliminate your inflictions. You're going to have them. You endure them. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Who's he talking to? Well, he's talking to Timothy, but who else is he talking to? He's talking to us. Do the work of evangelists. Make full proof of thy ministry. You know, use the word ministry in churches a lot of times you think of the pastor. Maybe the music leader, the music director. But ministry is every single Christian. We all have ministry in us. Ministry does not mean pastor. Ministry means Christian. That's what that means. We all have ministry. The community leaders had built this building that would serve people and the purpose of the people in their community. And among the building they built, among the things that was going to be in this building was this building was going to be the town hall. It was going to be the fire department. It was going to be the police station, among other things, and the tax office, all those things. It was a, it's a symbolic sacrifice of this small town's commitment of building this building for their community. And just a few months after the dedication, they begin to see giant cracks in the brick. Problems, troubles. Windows and doors wouldn't shut. Then the roof began to leak. At some point, they had to evacuate the building. No one could come into the building much to the embarrassment of the builder and much to the disgust of the taxpayer. You imagine paying your taxes and then building a building for us that were to come to and do different things in our civil duties, and you go down there and they have to shut it down. But they didn't use their money. They used yours. That's what happened. It was discovered that the ground underneath the foundation had not been properly prepared. When a foundation is put down, the ground has to be prepared as well. Sometimes, you know, I've been around construction all my life. I've been around commercial construction. Sometimes they will dig 8 to 10 feet deep in ground to prepare the ground up for a building. It depends on the type of building. The ground has to be prepared. The other problem they found at this place, in this, at this building, was that when they got ready to do the foundation, because it was a community building for the support of the community leaders, when it came time to do the foundation correctly and put the steel in correctly and put the steel in the right the right size steel and the right distance and all that the, the inspectors just kind of let it slide by after all it's our building and so what happened is that the foundation wasn't correctly done and so because of that uh you know they wanted to save a little time a little money get this built it was all exciting they had their opening and in time this building was finally demolished it was condemned and demolished now this actually happened in a small community this, this actually physically happened. They demolished the whole thing because the foundation was crumbling and it would support nothing. Serious cracks had developed in the building of this nation. Our nation as a people, as a building, we have some serious cracks in our, in our brick. Our foundation's crumbling in America right before our very eyes. Uh, it's not because of poor preparation, though. It's not because of the... But it's because of poor maintenance. Have you ever bought a new home and one of the things they tell you when you buy a new home or when, is that make sure you water the foundation? Do you know why they tell you that in North Texas? Because you live on a clay hill. When it dries up, the clay shrinks, so there's not as much ground support underneath the foundations. But when it rains a lot here, the ground swells and it pushes up on the foundations. And so they tell you to water your foundation during the, during the summer, but during, you know, make sure you've got proper drainage during the winter why is that because all of these things affect the foundation we can't sidestep the maintenance of what we're doing here in america maintenance has to do with godly living it doesn't have to do with our road our infrastructure it doesn't have to do with our capital buildings it doesn't have to do with our tax dollars the maintenance of america has to do with christian living that's what the foundation is supported, and that's what keeps this foundation. If we don't water that foundation, then we're going to ha- and we're having a crumbling foundation. Why? Because of poor maintenance. The foundation of our na- nation has moved away from biblical principle, and it, it, that it was established on, and and the principle that we live by more now is worldly, worldly principle. 
What, what we do, you thought I was going to trip there, didn't you, Ron? He was watching close for me. We have developed and accepted more worldly views in our country than we ever have in our nation's history in the last 10 years. 65% of builders in America, that would be anybody that builds any kind of building or a house, a structure, any kind, 65% of builders that have the builder mentality in America possess a Christian view, the builders. 34% of baby boomers, who are baby boomers? Raise your hand. 34% of baby boomers possess a Christian view. There are more builders in America that have a Christian view than there are baby boomers. That's a little. 17% of busters, do you know what busters are? Busters are people who just want to, if you will, bust the foundation. They want to change things. They, want, they don't like the status quo. And in some places, the status quo does need to change. In some places, it should never change. The foundation of Christianity should never change in our country. But there's some things that need to be busted out of our... Okay. Only 4% of millennials hold a Christian view in America. 4% millennials. Who is that? Hmm? Our kids? Guess who's about to take over America? Our kids? Our grandkids? Yeah, what do they call that? The Z generation? Or what's the, what's the, yeah. Another letter, another number? Uh, I'm, I'm curious as to what percentage of them hold or will hold the principle of Christianity as the foundation. How could this happen? You know, the stability and the foundation of this country was built on Christian. Now, were there some non-Christians in the establishment of America? Sure. Understand something. There are some non-Christians that are in church today. There are some people who are in church, and they're not there to get from God. They're there to get from people. They're to, to, whatever they can get in their pocket, whatever, however they can elevate their status, it's just the way humanity is. So we have to be aware of that. We have to understand that. Uh, why is the Christian worldview losing so much support so fast? Well, first, I think the biggest problem I think in America, and can I just tell you what I think? You know, well, I can because I have the mic and you don't. Yeah, so... So I'll just tell you what I think, and if you don't like it, you can. I think the biggest reason that we see such a drastic drop in America is because of the silence of the church, the silence of the church concerning worldview. Uh, you know, is, is the church propagating the church? Mm, somewhat. Somewhat. The question is, is the church propagating Jesus Christ? Because I want to talk about that a little bit. In our society today, the church has turned into a business. Now, there is a business aspect of the church. God expects us to operate that properly. But the church is never supposed to be a business. And the church has turned into a business. And we, we have that on the airwaves. We have that out there. But what we don't talk about is worldview, Christian worldview, world worldview. Christians are being intimidated and are afraid to voice their beliefs for the fear of the label of intolerant. That is a huge issue in America. I'm just not going to talk about it because people are going to point me out as intolerant. And I, that was a nobody. I'm now going to be on the national news next week. And Christians have gotten fearful of that. We, we've been fearful of being called narrow-minded. Y'all understand Jesus was narrow-minded. Okay. Not about people, but about the way. Straight is the gate and is the way. So there is a understanding to that and the worldview in the church today is that that's straight as the gate narrows the way needs to be erased out of the scripture that 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 it we can be real or we can be unreal we we've always been real and here since i've been here bishop was real and all y'all been real i'm not going to change let's be real about some things uh we need to take a stand our stand should be taken in love there there are people that take a stand that's not in love. You know, you, you can take a stand against something and take it in love and be so, so powerful in it. Or you can be, uh, you can take a stand and be so argumentative and so detrimental that the stand loses its power because of the nature of which you approached it. So there are biblical, biblical principles that are eroding away in America that we need to retake the stand on in. So 
So we're talking about a crumbling foundation. So this generation and those to come, their generation is really in danger of being lost because of our silence. Have you ever noticed how the older generation blames the younger generation? You ever notice that? I remember my parents. Yeah, you're younger. And we do that to our kids and so on and so on. Who raised the younger generation? That's it. The failure's not in the church. The church is the body of Jesus Christ, made up of different individuals, if you will, different parts, but it's the family. The destruction of the family. Now, see, we'll, we can get into a long and old discourse, and I won't talk about that, but we'll blame the devil on the destruction of the family. But your family can only be destroyed if you allow it. If you're the leader of your family, it's up to you to make sure your family's not destroyed. Uh, that's a big job. Absolutely. That's why God gave it to you. Because He knows you can do it. So it's the destruction of the family. It's the dissolving of the family. You know, we can again, we can talk family a long time. But one of the lacking things in America is family. Number one is the family unit. unit but number two, it's the family. Being the family. Being the family, that, that means there's, there's certain parts of our, as, as a dad, there were certain things I was responsible for. And, and in my generation, my generation has sloughed off on the responsibility. And so now my kid's generation is in danger of being lost. It's not their fault, it's mine. Thing is, I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet, neither are you. We're still here, God still has us here. We have purpose. God wants, God's a resurrecting God. When God lets things die so He can resurrect them. Listen, just because that's happened doesn't mean they're done for. It means He's ready to resurrect them. I truly believe God has been prompting us because we're about to see this resurrection happen in our families, in our community. We're about to see this take place. And some of us are going to be so wowed by it, our heads are going to be swimming. It's going to be hard to believe. I believe at Pentecost some of those people were like, can this possibly be happening in the next day? 5,000? Can this possibly in the next day multitudes? I think that's what we're going to And I'm happy for that. I'm glad for that. But we've been too silent. We, we've, we've alienated the world from the church. The church hasn't alienated themselves from us. That's not possible. The only reason the church is alienated from the world is because we do it. We allow it. We do it. They, they can't stop us. They tried it in the early church, and what happened? They tried to shut the church down, shut it up, and what happened? See, we're afraid of that right now. Well, this is what the government's going to do, and this is what the, this senator's going to do, and this is what this president's going to do. This is what, they can't shut us down. This is God's church. This is not Pastor Don's church. This is not your. This is God's. You can't shut God down. If God has purpose and reasoning, it's going to happen. So, see, y'all made me get off my topic. Y'all need to quit doing that. Our, our kids, our grandkids, yeah, i got to blame it on somebody else. That's the man thing. What did Adam say? God, this, God, this would never happen had you not given me that. You gave me that wife. She was the cause of all of this. I'd have never been in this situation had you not given me that wife. We're still doing it today. Our children and grandchildren are being swept in this, into this abyss of worldview. You know, with media and all those things, it's an abyss. It's a deep, deep, dark place. They're being swept into it, bombarded every single day. When I was a kid, we didn't get bombarded like this with secularism. We didn't even know. I don't think when I, in the 60s when I was a kid that word existed. It probably did, but we couldn't spell it, so we didn't use it. So, you know, but now secularism is in every single aspect of your life, my life, our kids' life, every aspect. It's because we live in this contemporary culture this tolerant culture now jesus was extremely tolerant with people wasn't he what well, you're here i'm here jesus is extremely tolerant with people or i wouldn't be here but he wasn't tolerant with sin and what's happened through the our contemporary society has has taken the sin and attached it to the people so that it has to be tolerant you are not your sin, right? Scripture teaches us that. A, a person, let me, I'm going to go here. A person that is a homosexual is not a sin. That's their sin. 
The Scripture says that they have law, they've left their first women with women. Okay, that's their sin. That's not who they are. So what the world does is they attach that sin to that and give it a name so that now we're intolerant if we resist that sin because that's them. Does that make sense? You follow what I'm saying? That's the contemporary society you live in. What do you think's been taught in schools today? Here recently, I saw uh, on the news here in Dallas, a mom was thoroughly uh, put in her place because she wanted to see what the teachers were teaching online to her kids, and the teachers said absolutely not, and and the teacher was back backed up. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. This is my child, and I can't. Wait a minute. You see what's contemporary? So they're being bombarded, bombarded, bombarded. We can't just assume that the current future generations that are coming up are going to continue to follow in the ways of God. There's a lot of assumptions we make because I'm a Christian, my kids are going to be a Christian. Or because I'm a Christian, my kids are a Christian. That's a bad assumption. Because your kids are no way Christians just because you are. They have their own relationship that they have to establish. And the only way they're going to learn about that is to come to Sunday school every week. To listen to the pastor. The only way they're going to learn about that is to read books. No, 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 no. The only way they're going to learn about it, the only way they're going to learn about it is at home. That's where they're going to learn to live for God. Because if you live for God on Sunday and live for the devil during the week, they're not going to learn how to live for God. I'm talking to a lot of older folks. We, we've raised ours, and, but you've got grandkids. And you're still responsible. Okay, let me keep going. Not only may they not see things like we see them, the future generations may believe something actually the opposite if we don't teach them, if we don't help them understand. So Paul warns Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. Let's just, when we're looking at here, now the Spirit speaketh expressly. That word expressly in the Greek means outspoken or distinctively. The Spirit is very dis- outspoken about this and very distinct. This is very important to understand that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing. That word seducing in the Greek, it means imposter. A seducing spirit is an imposter spirit. It's a misleading spirit. And doctrines of devils. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared, Again, let me just, if you, Greek for seared means rendered insensitive. Did I give you the wrong? First Timothy chapter 4. One through two. Maybe I told you the wrong. No, first, did I say second Timothy? Okay. Look, look, this is an open forum. You can throw your hand up. And say, <clears throat> you missed it there, Pastor. First Timothy chapter 4. Let's read it again, 1 through 2. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, or outspokenly, very distinctive, that in the latter times, when are the latter times? Right now. Latter times started at Pentecost. Last day started at Pentecost. When the Spirit fell, the prophet Joel said, In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. When did that happen? That happened at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So, they shall depart from the faith, giving heed. What does that mean, giving heed? Let's, yeah. Hey, I, huh, that sounds interesting. I've never heard that before. They didn't tell us that in church. It'll sound like church, but, it doesn't sound, but it's not exactly like church. Hath God not said? Isn't that what Satan said to Eve? It sounds like church, but not exactly like church. And that's what's going on. That in the last days, this is what's going to happen. Seducing, misleading spirits, and doctrines of devils, doctrines or teachings, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared, and reared and sensitive with a hot iron. In other words, they're hypocrite. You know what a hypocrite is, right? It's what we call a Hollywood actor. Hypocrite means actor. That's what the word means. Yes, yes. When you, yeah, have you ever heard actors call themselves that? They're, they're careful about it, but yeah, the word hypocrite means actor. So when, you, when you're watching... <laughs> when you're watching a movie, you're watching a bunch of hypocrites. They're acting, pretending. That's why Jesus called people, the, he called the, oh, you snakes, you hypocrites. 
You're pretending to be people of God. You're pretending to be a man of God. You're pretending to be a priest of God, but you're, you're just acting. That's why he called them hypocrites. We have a different thought process of hypocrites, but that's, it's just acting. And so he said, there's just going to be hypocrites, people pretending they're actors, they're liars, and they don't have any conscience about acting or lying. They'll lie to your face. They'll lie between their teeth. You ever heard that saying? Maybe just at East Texas State. That guy lied between his teeth. We used to say that. That means that was a pretty good lie, and we believed it. All of our teaching in the church is based on Scripture. All of our teaching in church is based on Scripture. If it's not, it doesn't need to be taught. It's not conjecture. If I'm going to say something I think, I'm going to tell you that, just like I did earlier. I want to tell you what I think. I'm not telling you this is Scripture. This is what I think. And that gives you the ability to think, you know, what you have anyway. But when we talk Bible, we talk Bible. And, and when we talk Scripture, everything that we talk about has to be based on any time you hear teachings or philosophies or views that don't align themselves with Scripture, well, you have to make a choice now. Any philosophy, any teaching, anything that doesn't align themselves with Scripture is now a choice. You either listen to it or you don't. Now, is there anything wrong with listening to the things outside of Scripture? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But when you do understand what it is and be able to decipher what it is and be able to separate the things that are not God and that are God. Again, one of the problems in American church today is there are a lot of not God principles in church. There are a lot of not God sayings in church. There are a lot of not God doctrines in church. You have a choice to make. So there's a lot at stake, isn't there? With the foundation that we're looking at in our country crumbling, there's a lot at stake here. So uh, the only way to shore this foundation up is with God's Word. It's really the only way. When we're going to water the foundation here in America, we're going to water it with the Word. We're going to water it with the Word. We have the responsibility as a church to do that. The Bible, the Bible doesn't say Lick your theological finger, stick it up in the air, see which way the wind's blowing, and then let's adjust to which way the wind's blowing. That's also happened in the American church. We'll just adjust just to the theological design of the wind in America today. Now, it may change next week. So we better adjust over here because, after all, we're trying to reach the world, and you know we need to be like the world so that we can uh, you know, kind of mesh with them and, and so they'll be a part. And that's one of the problems. We've become like the world so that we can reach the world. That's never going to happen. It's anti-scriptural. We are, we are never to adjust ourselves to worldly view in order to reach them. Well, that sounds like a great idea. If we could just do what they do and get them hooked, you know who's hooked? Surprise, 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 Gomer Powell said. You're the one hooked, not the world. And that's a deception that you, the devil's using in this last times that we just talked about. 2 Timothy 4 tells us we have this responsibility. Go back to our scripture that we read. Paul speaks prophetically in verses 3 and 4 about the very place we are in this nation. Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 4. He speaks prophetically about what's going on in this very nation. Let's read verses 3 through 4. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. After their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Man, I don't like what you're saying clicked you off i don't like whoa i like that yeah i can do whatever i want and still be a christian i'm listening to you i like you oh you don't preach against sin i like you you write book y'all don't look at some of you like you write books about all the happiness and joy and is there shouldn't we be talking about the happiness and the joy of the lord but is that the only thing we should be talking about no absolutely not we have to understand some things about what's going on and why our foundation is crumbling It's not the world's fault. It's not the world's fault. Let me keep reading. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. Paul said in the latter days, there will be those that had truth that turned their ears away from the truth. That is scary. 
to know the truth because Peter writes about that business, about having received the knowledge of the truth, having experienced the Holy Ghost, that if you turn away, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. That's a scary place to be. Y'all you, you, have heard of the word reprobate? You are entering into a, when, you, when this happens, and think about our country. Reprobate means what? It's flipped upside down. What's good is bad, and what's bad is good, and what's right is wrong, what's wrong is right. And what was truth is now a lie, and what's now a lie is truth. Think about America, because that describes what we're going through right now. We cannot remain silent, church. We can't remain silent. We have to, we've got too much time running out. This thing may go on for another 2,000 years, but I'm responsible for the generation I'm in, and time is running out on this generation that I'm responsible for. So I have Ezekiel 33 and 8. This, I found this, and I just, it gave, it gave me the, those goosebumps, you know, you get sometimes when you read something, and you're like, oh, I wish I'd have never read that. Ezekiel 33 and 8, God speaking, says, If I announce that some wicked people are sure to die, and you fail to tell them to change their ways, then they will die in their sins. He didn't stop there, though. And I will hold you responsible for their deaths. Now, that got a little shaky for me right there as I looked at that. You know what? If I see people, it doesn't mean you slap them upside the head and say, you old dog sinner, get out of the church and get to the altar. It means in love you express to them there's a better way in life, and it's through Jesus Christ. But if, I don't, if I'm silent, you all understand silent is permission, right? If I stand up here and, and spike my hair and, and wear pink flowers in my ears and do all this stuff and y'all never say anything about it, I'm going to do it again next week because you gave me permission. I'm not saying that's wrong. What I'm saying is you gave me permission, right? Now, if you think I look pretty goofy, well, I wouldn't have a problem because as soon as I got home, my <laughs> wife would tell you, you're never doing that again. I mean, that's what you should do if I'm doing something out of whack. But do it in love. You know, don't call me a squirrel and a weirdo. Say, listen, I love you. I don't want you to embarrass yourself like that anymore. That's how you have to approach somebody that's in sin. Listen, I love you. I love you. I don't want you to have to do this anymore. Don't, don't put yourself in those situations anymore. But we can't be silent. If we're silent, then the responsibility falls on us for what's happened. Serious business. Understand that there's a right way to say things, right? There's just, it's not an option not to say anything. That's not an option not to say anything. That's not an option. Not to speak is actually to speak. You speak volumes when you don't speak. Not to act is actually an action. Just think about it. Worldviews have caused America to, to become adrift, going places that I never thought in my lifetime I would ever see in America. But we've gone adrift now. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Back up a chapter. Back up a chapter. Paul is filling Timothy's ears full. He knows Timothy is very impressive, impressionable, that I can tell him these things, and he's going to listen to me because he's my son in the gospel. He believes the things that I've told him because I've lived it. And so I'm going to tell him these things, and he's going to go through an experience with this. Let's look at this. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's read verses 1 through 5. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Just Maybe don't read, but listen to what I'm reading. If you want to read, that's fine, but listen to what I'm reading. This is astounding. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and holy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than uh, lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from certain to turn away. He gives a litany of description of what's going to be going on, and he says, and here's the deal, guys. They have a form of godliness, but they're denying the power. What is the power of God? You say it loud. Holy Ghost. 
Holy Ghost. That's the power. That's what the Holy Ghost is. That's the power and essence of the power of God. And when you deny that power, you know, there are, there are, there'll be guys that stand in pulpits today that'll deny the power of the Holy Ghost in a pulpit. That, that's, that's astounding. All of those things that we just read fit the description of the nation we're living in. It fits the description of the nature of the nation we're living in. Now, I don't think Paul was secretly going into Timothy's ear and going, "Now, this is going to be the United States of America," back in you know in the twentieth and twenty-first century. I don't think he was doing that. This was for any and everybody. We just fit the description. It's pretty vivid. As Americans, we know very little about real persecution. As Americans, we know very little about real persecution. Well, he called me a Jesus freak. Lord, strike him dead. He's persecuting me. We don't know persecution in America. But if we sit silent and we don't act, guess what? We're going to know it. If we keep silent and we don't act... The next generation comes along and says, well, I'm not sure. I believe that. I think I believe this. And then the generation of them goes, you know, I don't believe any of what Grandpa believed, and I'm not sure about you, Mom and Dad. Matter of fact, I don't believe anything. Y'all, you see what can happen in just a generation, two generations? We could know persecution till it's full, to its fullest extent if we don't act and we don't speak. Mark 8, 38, anyone... Is your shame? We we've all heard this. No, nobody likes this verse in scripture because it, it tweaks our heart. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous generation and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Are we ashamed? Is that why we're silent? Are we afraid? Is that why we're silent? You see, God's been prompting us for a reason. God's been prompted for a reason. I totally believe this end time, and the, the Bible calls it the latter rain. When they planted crops, there was a former rain. When you plant crops, you put seed in the ground. In those days, they, they didn't go to Home Depot and buy the plants. They didn't go to Lowe's and buy the plants. They planted seed from last year's harvest. They saved a percentage of the seed from every harvest previous year, and that's what they planted for the next year. Once they planted, they had a former rain. That rain would do what? Get the ground nice and wet good and fertile. It's ready to go. And what does it do to the seed? It germinates it. And so you get all this stuff that grows up and it begins to produce a plant, but it's not producing fruit yet. It's producing the sturdy stalk, the healthy leaves, all the things that chlorophyll will be involved in and all of the the sun, all of those things. At some point, there would be a latter rain. The latter rain was twice the rain as the former rain, and it was that way so that when the, the little blooms came out on the tomatoes, that latter rain, because it was so heavy, filled that stalk and those leaves full, and that fruit bloomed out. Boom. And the Bible says there's a former rain of the Spirit, there's a latter rain of the Spirit. The former rain of the Spirit happened at Pentecost. The latter rain is going to happen in this last day. Where it's double the so at the on the day of Pentecost, I got five minutes. On the day of Pentecost, three thousand people were baptized in the Holy Ghost and were baptized in Jesus' name. Three thousand people, three thousand. So if the double is going to happen, whew, what if six thousand people showed up out here in the parking lot and said, "Uh, you're not going to believe as I was driving by this church." There were some people out, and I heard them singing, so I had to stop. And when I stopped, man, I was overcome, the Spirit, and man, I started. And you know what? So, and they, okay, hey, I see you have a baptistry. 6,000 people. And then the next day, it went three to five, then it went six to, come on, mathematicians. Six to five. Five, double is ten. So now, you, look. You see what God, this is what God said. Was, this is not what pa, Pastor Don said was going to happen. This is what God said was going to happen. There's going to be a latter rain. And so he's prompting you and I. He's prompting us to get ready. There's no way that Bishop and I can baptize 6,000 people in here. 
We're, Bishop, I love you, but we're too old. <laughs> we would both die of a heart attack, wouldn't we? <laughs> too strenuous. What does that mean? Come on, what does that mean? Y'all going to be baptized. <gasps> Somebody other than pastors baptizing? Show me in the book where the pastor was the baptizer. And I'll show you another book other than the Bible. Because that ain't in the book. Who baptized? Who was the pastor that baptized at Pentecost? They didn't have one. Well, Peter was because there's a group that says he was the first. And that he would. No, somebody had to baptize the first. If Peter was the first person to receive the Holy Ghost, who baptized him? Y'all understand what I'm saying? Get ready. Get ready. If you've got a swim pool at home, get ready. Because we're going to be sending people to your house. If you don't have a swim pool, get one. We're going to be sending people to your house to baptize them. That's what this former reign is about. It's about the church being the church. You know, they just baptize one another. It's, it's great. We understand the authority of baptism. Man, you pastors are looking at me like... He was a guy that jumped on a chariot. <laughs> we understand. Listen, we have been so... In this culture, what has been grained in the church is not even biblical. That only the pastor can baptize. Only, you know, in some churches, only the pastor can pray for people. My Lord, get ready. Because you're... Thank God, Bishop. Somebody else is going to counsel. <laughs> There's going to be too many. Somebody else is going to have to counsel people that need the Word of God in their life. You're going to have to counsel people about the Word of God in their life. Get ready. You're going to have to baptize them. You're going to have to pray with them. You're going to have to get your Bible out and teach them. You remember that Bible study I taught you all last year? Get ready. I taught it to you. It's your turn. And some of you don't even remember it. Light for living. Twelve weeks. You better remember it because here it comes. You, I'm telling you. We got to have some faith in this house that what God is prompting us is happening. Okay, let me finish here. Y'all need to quit that. Listen, I'm trying to encourage you, not discourage you. I want you to understand that today. I'm trying to encourage you, not discourage you. The greatest place to be anytime, but especially in the last days of end times, the greatest place to be, the most exciting, is going to be the church. You are going to see, you. people were going, running through the streets of Jerusalem saying, I, you're not going to believe this. You remember John? You remember him? Yeah, the guy that lived down the street that he, he was crippled from his whole life. Y'all remember? Yeah, you're not going to believe this. But this guy Jesus who says... He touched the guy and he got up. He's healed. You remember that guy that was blind? You We played ball and he couldn't play ball with us. He was blind. He couldn't see. He put mud on his eyes, told him to go wash it, and he's, he can see. You know, can you imagine what that would be like today? Because we got automobiles. We got cell phones. The communication skill is a lot better. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? It's going to be broadcast. We're going to be so busy in the kingdom that we don't have time to work. I'm sorry, you guys. I, I grew up playing it. I played all the sports. I do, but we're not going to have time for NFL. NFL's going. I'm sorry. I know some of y'all got mad at me a few weeks ago, and I, I repent to you that I said I hope the NFL folds. I still hope it folds. I'm just repenting to you that that I said that. <laughs> just, just, no, I'm just kidding. Understand something. All those things will have balance, but listen. There's going to be some of those things that just fall off, not because they're wrong. Not because they're wrong. They're just going to fall off because they're, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Hey, listen, we, we were going to go watch the, man, the Rangers are fun to go to right there. Fun to go, yeah. We were going to a Rangers game, but 25 people showed up at the house to be baptized, and it's either there or the tickets. Okay, well, I'll just give them to my neighbor because I just get ready. It's going to happen. And here's how God is. Here's how I see God. You do that, and you follow the will of God, and next week the rangers show up at your house and say, listen, I'm just, something told us to give you lifetime seats. I'm going to give you lifetime seats. I don't know who you are. I don't know why. You, you understand what I'm saying. God will bless you when you do God's. 
and get ready because here it comes. We're going to be so busy doing it. It's going to be exciting. The Lord's given us an opportunity, a chance to change things. Things aren't down in the dump. Things aren't in the abyss. We have a chance to change. We're still very much involved in revival in this generation, aren't we? We're not here to condemn anyone into the kingdom. You can't do it. We're to encourage them into the kingdom. But we got to speak. We can't be silent. Believe it or not, people want to know what you're for, not what you're against. Don't you hate those presidential ads? What are you going to do for us as president? Well, they can't do this, and they can't do this, and they've never done this. What are you going to do? Well, they can't, and both sides play that game. Nobody ever tells us what they're going to do. Do you know why? Because they're actors. They're hypocrites. They can't tell you because they don't have it. They just want to tell you what somebody else is not doing. You know, that, that's, our, our culture has gotten so sidewinded by that kind of stuff. People really, I really want to know what you're for. If you're for the right things, I'll vote for you. I don't care if you wear a green hat, brown shoes, your nose is on the back of your head, and your ears are backwards. If you're doing the right things by God, I'm going to vote for you. No, you're not Democrat or Republican. Oh, my Lord. Well, I'm going to lose most of you here now. Okay. They want to know what you're for. And who are you for? Jesus Christ. What are you for? This book. People want to know. They want to know. I'm going to end with this. I'm just a few minutes over. But yeah, this, imagine that there's, it's dark, dark night. And there's this road that comes up to this raging river. The bridge is out. Bridge is out. So you come up to it. You see it. You say, oh, the bridge is out. So what do you do? Well, you see there's, there's going to be oncoming traffic. And so one, one of the things you might do is just say, well, it's none of my business what anybody else does. I'm just going to leave it. That's one thing you could do. You say, well, I hope they find out like I did. I, I happened to see it and didn't drive off the bridge. But as you're standing there, car passes you by, and another car passes you by, and they're all just plummeting off, off the bridge. The bridge is out, and they're plummeting off into the river. So you decide, i got to do something, because to do nothing would be unthinkable, right? If you saw people driving off a bridge into a river and drowning, wouldn't it be unthinkable to do nothing about that? Some of you are looking at me like this is a catch. You're right. <laughs> so I post a road sign, bridge out. Mm, yeah. that, that seems pretty responsible. You're right. But you know what? Some people may not be able to read. So I post another sign further up the road, slow down. Well, some people may not be able. So I'll go back a few more miles and I post a sign that says detour. You know, here's the thing. You can post bridge out. You can post slow down. You can post detour. But some people are going to take the road regardless. They're going to take that road regardless. Sometimes people think they the road's the preferred road or suggested road or you know, that, that's kind of the way it is today in our society. Just take your preferred road to God. Take the suggested road to God. You know, our job is to catch them before they ever get to the river, before they ever get to the bridge. That's what God has called us to do. Catch them before they go off to the abyss. Let them know the bridge is out. Every day thousands of people are plunging into eternity. The bridge is out. And it, it would be, it's because there's a Christless worldview in this society. And we have to understand that and understand that. You know what? Our responsibility is to let them know, hey, listen, you keep going down that road, and the bridge is out, and you're going to go off into the abyss. Now, we're, we're afraid a lot of times to tell people that about their life because they're going to get mad at us until they reach a point in their life when they see the bridge actually is out and they come love on you because you saved them from going off into the river. And it's the same. A lot of times we don't want to tell people about Jesus because we're afraid of what they're going to say or they're going to, you know, until they figure out and find out the bridge is out. And they're so thankful. I'm so thankful somebody told me in my life, hey, dude, the bridge is out. The bridge is out. 
It's a tough conversation sometimes, isn't it? People will ignore the warning signs, won't they? But to do nothing, to say nothing, that's unthinkable. That's unbelievable. We can't do that. We have to hold the truths that we hold and give them to mankind. Because not only is the bridge out in this country, the foundation's crumbling. The worldviews are shaping a new America. The worldviews are shaping a new America. There are new philosophies. There are new teachings, new doctrines. Listen, our children deserve the best we can give. Your children deserve. I can tell you, if, if my, my kids, if my girls were in trouble, if, if there was someone going to attack them, if I saw them, I, you know what? I wouldn't halfway get to them. I wouldn't halfway think about them. I'd be on top of that like white on rice. I'd be on top of that so quick. Why? Because I love them. And we need to be that way about everybody, don't we? Understanding that, listen, bridge is out. Foundation's crumbling. This world deserves our best. Are there people in this world that you don't like? Thank you for being honest. Can I say it with you? There's some people that I don't like. But Jesus said, I got to love them. I got to love them. Love, love goes way beyond like. Love way, you know, did, has my wife always liked me? Mm-mm. Well, I didn't ask her to answer. I answered for her because I don't want But she loves me. And you know what happens because of the love? The word she didn't like me at, she was able to overcome because of the love. She didn't love me. You know what? Goodbye. There are people in this world we don't like, but we need to love them. Love will overcome the unlike. Amen. God bless you this morning. Uh, I want you to be encouraged because we're, we're, man, you feel this thing about to break loose. Let's take a little break before Sunday school or after Sunday school before worship. Yeah. Yeah, I got got all confused now, haven't I? For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.